If you've followed the Florida Gators in recent years, you know that at times the offensive line was as useless as the G in lasagna. There are brighter days upon us, though, and I'm going to tell you why. Only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter's WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country from SportsSide.com. That's new. Uh, but before getting into today's content, just gonna ask y'all like, subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a comment, review. Let me know what you think of the show, how I can make it better, all that fun jazz. It is greatly appreciated. But we're talking about the offensive line now for the Florida Gators because, you know, two years ago it was when Kyle Trask was there in 2020. It was this offensive line can pass protect, but they can't run block. And then 2021 came, and it was like, well, this offensive line can't run block, and they can't pass protect. So it was very much just, what are they good at? It was a very bad year for the offensive line. And also, like I've said this before, I think it's more important to talk about the unit in general as opposed to individual play, because obviously individuals will shift the entire unit and impact the entire unit. So I think it's more important to talk about the unit, but we're going to take a little bit more of a look at individuals uh, today, just because they are also important, just not as important in my mind with uh, as uh, compared to a unit. But we are going to look at the New York Giants offensive linemen starters comparing their last season with the Giants team before they hired Rob Sale and their first and only season with Rob Sale. Of course, Rob Sale is the now offensive coordinator and offensive line coach for the New York for the New York Giants for the Florida Gators. Um, and it's also important just because there was a drastic a drastic improvement here. Uh, Andrew Thomas, who of course Georgia 2020 first round pick in 2020, his first year in the NFL and only year without Rob Sale, he had 615 pass blocking snaps. 10 sacks allowed and 57 pressures allowed. That means he allowed a sack on 1.63% of his pass blocking snaps and a pressure on 9.27 pass blocking attempts. So that means if you drop back 30 times, you're getting pressured from Andrew Thomas's side three times, which is, well, way too much. In 2021, however, which was Rob Sale's first and only year with the New York Giants, 517 pass blocking snaps, so 98 less, but just two sacks allowed and just 18 total pressures allowed. That means he allowed a sack on 0.39% of his pass blocking snaps. That's 1.24% less off the top of my head, hoping I didn't screw that one up. And pressures on 3.48% of his pass blocking snaps, which is roughly 5.8% less so a massive massive improvement by Andrew Thomas which again he got almost almost three times better at pass blocking in terms of allowing pressures 
under Rob Sale in just one season. Then we look at Nate Solder, who his last year they were looking at is 2019 because that was the last year he played without Rob Sale. He was in 2020, one of those players who opted out due to COVID. Uh, He played 684 pass blocking snaps in 2019, allowed 11 sacks and 56 pressures. So 1.61% sacks on 684 uh, pass blocking snaps. And then he allowed pressure on 8.19% of his dropbacks or his pass blocking snaps. So again, Pretty dang bad. Nate Solder in 2021, his only year under Rob Sale, 586 pass blocking snaps, six sacks allowed, 36 pressures, 1.02% sack percentage, 6.14% pressure percentage. Now we're looking at Will Hernandez is the only other offensive lineman we're looking at because they had three players who were starters and are projected to be our heavy impact players um but will hernandez in 2020 336 pass blocking snaps dealt with injury one sack allowed 25 pressures that's 0.59 percent sack percentage that's very good 7.44 percent pressures though so there were a lot of pressures coming from his side just not a lot of sacks and then in 2021 676 pass blocking snaps basically double seven sacks allowed which is 1.04 percent so about 0.45 percent more 36 total pressures allowed, so 5.33%, which is about 2.11% less. And that's all to say that Rob Sale made a significant impact and helped these players develop significantly. And again, they they were all, I mean, Will Hernandez is in Arizona now, so they're not still there, but, but they did improve significantly from their second to last year to their last year and their one year with Rob Sale made a dramatic impact instantly along the offensive line, specifically for pass protection, which is, again, what we really need to improve upon. We we think that this offensive line right now is going to be at least serviceable run blocking. Billy Napier has done a fantastic job at Louisiana and pretty much everywhere he's been developing offensive linemen and getting a consistent run game going. Rob Sale also has been a very good offensive line coach. Again, with that one year with the New York Giants in the NFL, they make significant strides. There are three expected returning starters in Kingsley Aguacun, Richard Garage, and Josh Braun are all going to be playing significant snaps this year. Of course, Osiris Torrance is going to be uh, at right guard expected, and I didn't want to bring out his numbers because he was with Rob Sale and Billy Napier. Things haven't changed that much for him, but Rob Sale is here to impact this entire offensive line. They're going to get better pass protecting. We know they're going to get better run blocking, especially when you look at there have been changes made to the diet plan, the strength and conditioning programs, where these guys are going to get bigger, they're going to get faster, they're going to get stronger, and they're going to get nastier with this coaching staff. And so running, I'm not worried about the rushing game. I'm not worried about about run blocking at all. I think that they're just going to naturally get better at it. And I think they were that the guys that are still here were not awful last year. That's just that that that's where I'm at with it. Uh, of course, Gene Delance and Stuart Reese were also starters last year that are not there this year. Um, but but pass protection is what I've been really worried about, especially when you look at having a quarterback like Anthony Richardson who is going to want to throw the ball deep. And obviously he's mobile enough to evade pressure. He's mobile enough to evade sacks. But again, he wants to throw the ball deep and you can't just rely on him sprinting out and then heaving one downfield. You need to have some kind of protection. So Rob Sale 
will help this offensive line improve to work as a unit and individually to become a much better pass blocking unit, which in turn will help this entire offense. And I am so excited for it. And looking at someone who was with that 2020 offensive line that could pass protect, we're about to talk about Kyle Trask, but first I'm going to talk to you guys about bet online because the NFL draft is over. NBA playoffs are, I mean, we're about to get into the conference finals here. It's time for that. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, they are intense. MLB is here. No run first innings have been killing me lately, but I've been using Bet Online for years. I couldn't be happier with it. It's got so much, not just basketball, football, baseball, hockey, soccer, ping pong, darts, whatever you want, tennis. I don't care. It's got everything. It's got reality TV, award shows, the economy, politics, whatever you want to bet on. Head to website, head to website. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We're talking about Kyle Trask now because, and here's the thing, I, I wasn't going to talk about this too much because I was like, this is a non-story. Um, but my timeline has been just flooded with Kyle Trask rhetoric, whether it's uh, Dalton Miller with Pro Football Network going, it's not Kyle Trask's fault that he was drafted three rounds too early, or I don't even remember who it was, but that they were like, ah, this was a horrible pick. He's already a bust. And just that nonsense that's coming out because the I know a lot of you guys are Buccaneers fans as well. Guys and gals are Buccaneers fans as well. The Buccaneers quarterback coach Clyde Christensen said, this is the, the quote, I don't see him compete, obviously, about Kyle Trask. I don't see him competing with Blaine Gabbert for the backup job this year. He could do it, just all the odds are stacked against you. You can't rep everybody. It's hard to get enough, it's hard to get Gabbert enough reps, so we'll prepare Gabbert as the number two. He also said that they see Kyle Trask as a developmental prospect. And here's the thing, because again, I, I don't like to get worked up about this. I'm not a Bucks fan, but I'm, I'm irritated at how this storyline is working out pretty much uh i feel like i'm watching the flash i'm like well this writing is terrible um here's the thing with kyle trask um they see him as a developmental prospect okay (laughs) what 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 is the issue kyle trask when he's coming out of college was not this perfectly clean prospect he was accurate but he needed to work on his mechanics he needed to work on quite a few things so yeah He was developmental. The plan was never for him to start. And here's the thing as well. If Tom Brady never retired for those 40 days, nobody would care about this. Because the entire plan when Kyle Trask got drafted was he's going to sit for a few years and then maybe replace Tom Brady when Tom Brady retires. If Tom Brady never retired for those 40 days, no one cares. Like if if Tom Brady was just playing through 2020, 2021 season, and then he never retired and just played through the 2022 season. And Clyde Christensen said, Kyle Trask is not the number two quarterback. It's Blaine Gabbard. Kyle Trask is the developmental guy. Everybody would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. He was a second. He was a very, very late second round pick. And I mean, you know, you got Tom Brady in front of him. Blaine Gabbard knows the system. Blaine Gabbard's been in the NFL for 12 years now. Blaine Gabbard's been around. He, he's played enough. Why, why wouldn't it be Blaine Gabbard? Get the veteran in there. No one would have batted an eye. But because Brady retired for those 40 days, 40 
days. That's it. That's all it took. 40 days, and Kyle Trask is not viewed as the primary backup. Everybody is losing their minds. What did you expect? Again, the entire plan from the moment Kyle Trask was drafted was he's going to be a backup developmental prospect for a couple of years. Also, this is the beginning of his second year. Kyle Trask got drafted, what, a year and two weeks ago, if that? Who, what, I, what is the problem? Am I the crazy one here? I, I genuinely, like, my brain is breaking. Am I the crazy one here that the guy was drafted to be a developmental prospect for a couple of years? was drafted a year and two weeks ago and is still listed as the number three QB, maybe four. He's not the number two QB is what we care about. That's the issue. That he's not the number two QB. And people are upset about it. This isn't some dude that's on the tail end of his contract. He's not on the tail end of his rookie contract. He hasn't even hit the middle of it and people are upset about it. Also, here's what I have to say. He is a backup. Who cares? It's as simple as that. I get it. It's the in case Tom Brady gets hurt, in case this, in case that. Here's the thing. In case Tom Brady gets hurt, it don't matter who your backup is. The Bucs are not winning anything at that point. It's as simple as that. If Tom Brady gets hurt, it doesn't matter if it's Blaine Gabbert. It doesn't matter if it's Kyle Trask. It doesn't matter if you put, I don't know, Joe Tryon Shoyanka back there. It doesn't matter who is going to, I probably butchered that name. It doesn't matter who is going to be your backup QB or your new starter if Tom Brady gets hurt. Because if Tom Brady gets hurt, the season's kaput anyway. So it makes no sense for people to be upset about Kyle Trask being QB2, QB3, QB4, QB73. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Kyle Trask will get there when he gets there, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. But right now, he was always going to be a developmental prospect. That's what it was. He was a developmental prospect that could maybe replace Tom Brady in a couple of years. All we've been told is nothing's changed. But people are making a story out of this, and it is driving me absolutely up the wall. I I, I just have no idea how so many people can be so upset about nothing. It, 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 it boggles my mind. And if you are one of the people that were freaking out, Take a deep breath, because it doesn't matter anyway. That's It's as simple as that. doesn't matter anyway. So that, that just means nothing. We're about to shift gears to something that was more fun that I saw on the Florida Gators subreddit yesterday about who's the best Gators NBA player. And we're about to talk about that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we are talking about Florida Gators in the NBA, who's the best Gator, because I saw this discussion on the NBA subreddit, because of course, Al Horford, big Al over there, Al Horford, the other night, 30 something, 34 points, I think it was, at 35, almost 36 years old, the first career 30 point playoff game from him, yo, <laughs> like that, was, that was ridiculous, so people are talking about who's the greatest Gator in the NBA, and there were a lot of discussions here about it, so I, I, I understand it. Uh, I've narrowed it down to my three guys. I've got three guys on the list. Uh, there are players like David Lee and Joakim Noah and Udonis Haslam and just so, so many more. Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, that, great. Like, like, they're very good players. Dorian Finney-Smith, one of the better 3 and D guys in the league. Not much else, but one of the better 3 and D guys in the league. 
but they didn't make the cut for a variety of reasons. You can look at longevity. You can look at never being a top guy. You can look at injuries or a combination of them because a lot of the reasons that I have these guys not listed as the best player because of those, but these guys are a combination. Like you can look at never being a top guy and injuries for Udonis Haslam, for example. Joakim Noah at his at his peak, probably the best Gator of all time. But his peak was so short because Tom Thibodeau just ran him into the ground. And I mean, you know, fourth and MVP, one of the defense the, the defensive player of the year, just phenomenal player. Um, but again, just such a short peak. So I can't give it to him as much as I love him. Udonis Haslam. I mean, longevity he's got, but <laughs> at that point, it's like, what else, really? Uh, he's been in the NBA for a very long time, but at this point, he's essentially eating a roster spot to be a coach. Um, but I did narrow it down to three guys. First up, Al Horford is the person that I saw referenced a lot, and I get it. You know, he's got the longevity. He's got the consistency. You could argue he's never been the guy Um you could with Joe Johnson, Josh Smith when they were with the Hawks and Al Horford being one of that big three group that they had. Um, but you could also say the longevity and consistency outweigh never being the guy. There are Hall of Famers who were never the guy, but they were just so consistent and so versatile for so long. And that's also Al Horford, very versatile. In terms of looking at the Gators in the NBA history, Al Horford, I believe, is top five in points, rebounds, assists, blocks. Like, like he's done it all. Uh, so he has been the guy without a doubt. Or not the guy, but he's been a very versatile guy without a doubt. So I think Al Horford deserves a little more respect than I saw him get. And it's also insane that it's like that's, that game is still ridiculous that everybody was like, ha, Al Horford, so stupid, shaking your head at Giannis. And then he went Thanos on Giannis. It was, it was ridiculous. Uh, Bradley Beal is the second one for me. Tremendous score. And here's the thing, because I, I love Bradley Beal. I think when he was coming out of the draft, I was higher on him than most people I saw. But I think I'm also the type where I go, injuries have derailed his career so badly that it worries me. Um because I, I get, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, like he's always been on a losing team. He's never been, the, he's been the guy, but he's never been the guy on a good team and all that stuff. I don't care about that. He's been the guy. Like it is so rare to have a player who's one player that can carry a team, especially when that's been as bad as the Wizards is, as Wizards have been. I don't know if prime LeBron could have carried them far into the playoffs. I think he would have gotten there. I don't think he would have gotten them far. And Luca right now, like Luca has little help. He's got Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith, and that's kind of in sometimes Spencer Dinwiddie. So Bradley Beal not being on a consistent contender means nothing to me. I think Bradley Beal is, again, one of the better pure scorers in the NBA. He's shown the ability to distribute the ball when he needs to be that guy. He, he's been consistent throughout his career, too. He's, he's dealt with injuries for sure but he's been consistently one of the better guys, one of the better scorers in the NBA. And the last one is Jason Williams. Uh, white chocolate. Uh, I mean, he's up on this list. Dope nickname. I, I think we can all agree with that, no matter what you think of his play. 
dope nickname. Uh, but he also he he inspired that street ball ISO style basketball where we saw Joe Johnson it was like ISO Joe for a bit. Jason Williams did a lot of that, and, and that fast break just being so flashy with it was just re- ridiculous, bonkers. And also for Jason, like like people talk about the the handles, the crazy flashy passes, and all, and all these things. I feel like it's really overlooked just that he, for a while in his career, he almost averaged a double-double or he averaged a near double-double. He was like eight and a half assists and like 14 points. And it's like, that is incredibly impressive to do. And especially back then when points were not as easy to come by. And by that, I mean, three ball was less prominent, so less points in, in turn. So Jason Williams, very underrated NBA career exceptional gator in the nba uh but he's not my guy he, he's not he's not the guy for me there are three people it was al horford bradley beal and jason williams jason williams is not the guy that i think is the best gator in nba history um it's also not bradley beal it's it's al horford for me right now um just because again like for me the longevity and the consistency are two huge things. And I mentioned Bradley Beal has the consistency. We don't know if he's had the longevity. He's been in the league for like 10 years already. So he's been proven. Um, But yeah, we don't know. We don't know if he's really got the longevity and consistency combined injuries have derailed him. So he's been in the league for 10 years, but he's played like seven or eight. If you just add all of his games up, Uh, obviously not saying that he's missed three full seasons, but if you add all his games up, he's missed quite a bit. Uh, so Bradley Beal is not the guy for me. It's Al Horford. Longevity, consistency, versatility. He's been able to contribute in so many ways. And here's the thing. I don't really care too much about not being the guy. You're you're playing your role. You're filling multiple roles for this team, and you keep them in games. And, and you're never a massive liability, and I think that's a big thing. Um, where if Al Horford's having a bad shooting night, it's not going to kill you because unless he's on he's going to have like seven shot attempts or, or 10 shot attempts. So it's not too killer to worry about there. So it's Al Horford for me, but when it's all said and done between these three players and Gators of the NBA past, uh, it could be Bradley Beal. It very well could be. If, he, if everything gets back on track with him health-wise and he continues to just play how he's been playing, it's going to be Bradley Beal. I don't even want to say it could be. It's going to be Bradley Beal. But for now, it's Al Horford. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow taking a look at how Florida, Florida State, and Miami match up with putting players into the NFL. Now make your second listen Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy of Sports 790 is one of the best hosts we have in the entire network. Remarkably consistent. Longevity's there. He's been the guy. He's the conference guy. He's got amazing player interviews very frequently. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I Sports and Giants Country on SI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.